Welcome back to the Life IQ podcast, where the goal is always to learn something. My name is David Olodejo. I'm a Nigerian middle child, rec league professional athlete, and an avid audiobook enthusiast. On today's episode, the question we're trying to answer is what's next in the first part of my conversation with Victoire Pade. Victoire is a recent graduate of McGill Medical School. During her medical training, she was significantly involved in health equity and anti-racism initiatives and was named the inaugural Quebec Regional Director for the Black Medical Students Association of Canada. Victoire played a pivotal role in a team of Black physicians and leaders at McGill University to develop the Black Candidate Pathway, an admission program addressing the underrepresentation of Black medical students in McGill that led to 24 Black medical students being admitted to McGill this fall. In July, Victoire started her residency training in family medicine at Queen's University, and she's currently on leave from her residency program to complete a master's in public health at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine on a full ride from the Canada Memorial Foundation Scholarship. Outside of her professional life, Vic enjoys good company, trying out new hairstyles, and taking naps. She's one of my favorite people in the world. We've been friends for over 10 years, and she was a natural fit when thinking about answering this question. As you listen, I'm sure you'll fall in love with her eloquence, her humor, and I love the way she tells her story and her mindset when thinking about what's next. So with all that being said, let's get into it. Stop tap dancing around the conversation. This is episode two, but this is the first sit-down conversation that we're having with another guest, and I'm so excited. Um, this guest actually shot their shot to make it on the show. Um, season one, I was reaching out to people like, yo, I think you'd be great. I think you you know, you fit the episode. This person took matters into their own hands. Um, I mentioned on the last episode how I was on the West Coast in March. It was like two days before I was about to get on my flight. I like checked my mailbox. I have this random card, like a Valentine's Day card. And Valentine's Day is like February 14th. This is like the end of February. So I'm like kind of confused. I open it up. And first of all, this person knows like I'm in a relationship. They're like, yo, I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble with the missus. But wrote me this amazing card. And at the end, the entire goal was like, yo, you need to bring me on. You need to bring me on the podcast. I need my own episode and when I was prepping for this season, I was like, nah, this person definitely, for shooting your shot, and I'm saying this, putting it out here, that doesn't mean that all of you used to start DMing me like David when I'm getting my episode, um, because it was a funny way to get on, but also she has so much wisdom and so much value to bring. So very excited to introduce my homie, my high school prom date, my high school prom date, Victoire Pade, joining the Life IQ podcast. Vic, how you doing? What's up? Hi, David. <laughs> Thank you for the intro. I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I would like to clarify and give a little bit of my side of the story. <laughs> no, yeah, we need, we need that. We need that actually. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, so when you first started your podcast, I would say maybe like, what was it, a year and a half ago now? Yeah. I remember seeing your... I think you had posted something that if anyone wants to be on the podcast, send me a message, this and that. And then I thought to myself, wow, 
This is going to be sick. I know this is going to be a great podcast just because of who David is and the kind of people he surrounds himself with. But also, I had just been on Boaz's podcast, a mutual friend right. of ours. Right. And I thought I had done a good job. You know, I got some good feedback <laughs> from it. <laughs> so I had thought to myself, I think David might reach out to me at some point to be on the podcast. And then I started r- listening to your podcast. Mm. And um, it was just so good. And I was so impressed by, honestly, all of the guests you were having on it and all the conversations that you were having. And the more the season progressed, the more mm. I realized, wow, he doesn't need me on this podcast. <laughs> His friends are mad impressive. I think like it was, who was it? Your friend Rayhan. I remember listening to those two episodes and being like, this is one of the smartest people I've ever listened to. That's like my age. And then your Mm -hmm. episode with your friend Zamir, Zamir, that I didn't, I didn't know him from Colonel Bai, but I was like, wow, I really walked by this guy in the, in the halls and he has all of this knowledge. Right. And then I think there was also, um, another one I really liked Manuela. Manuela. Yeah. And I thought she was just so organized and had her life together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it it made me really excited for you that you're surrounded by such incredible individuals who have so much to offer. And I really do think that your vibe attracts your tribe. So then I kind of just became, I just liked, I just enjoyed listening to the podcast and I shared it with a bunch of my friends that are around our age as well. Um, and then it was last summer when I was, uh, having dinner with Boaz and we were talking about it and he mm-hmm. said, yeah, if you want to be on the podcast, you should just send him or, or no, he said, I can ask him. And I said, yeah. you know what? No, I'm grown now. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> Leave this to me. I can do it <laughs> because it was, it was kind of similar thing that happened with prom. I remember right. when you were in grade 12, I was sitting down with Muna and your sister Lois Mm-hmm. And they had asked me, who do you want to go to prom with? And I was like, you know, David and I are good friends. Like, I would like to go. I think it would be fun to go to prom with David. Yeah. And then they were like, don't worry, we got you. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that time. It's so funny. Like, first of all, thank you for the, for the kind words. And more importantly, like, thank you for listening. Like, every time or any time I get a chance to talk to someone who, one, listens, two, like, enjoys it, and three, like, goes the extra mile to share with other people, um, a lot of gratitude, like a lot of appreciation and love for you. Um, second, yeah, I guess like you are mad impressive. And <laughs> when I was like making the guess, I think I was like more in like the the newer friendships or somewhat newer friendships I had in my life. But we've been friends now um, since high school. But um, yeah, getting that card was was hilarious. And you did actually do, do a great job on Boaz's podcast. And I was happy when I when I was. In the early stages of playing the season, I hit you up. You were excited about it. So had to bring you on. And um, the going back to, to high school and prom, just so everyone knows, like, your boy actually pulled off one of the greatest prom proposals in Ontario high school history. Um, am I lying, Vic, or is that kind of accurate? These are the facts. Absolutely. These are the facts. These are the facts. Uh, won't get I won't get into much detail, but if you wanna if you wanna learn about what I did for the proposal, hit me up or hit up Vic. Maybe we'll talk <laughs> about it later on this episode. Uh, but but again, thank you so much for for coming on. Super excited 
to get us started, like, like how's life? How, how's everything going right now? We were talking a little bit before this. You tell me about how you've been hopping around between cities. So give the people a little bit of update on what's going on in Vic's life at the moment. Life is good. Life is very busy right now. Um, a little bit of a background on me. I just completed four years of medical school at McGill. I was in Montreal for my first two years. I did my third year in a community site in Gatineau. So I moved back in with my parents in Ottawa for that third year. Fourth year, I moved back to Montreal. And then I graduated in May of this, this year. I moved to Kingston at the end of June to start my residency in family medicine. And I, I had my last day of residency for now, yesterday. And then I moved back to Ottawa to my parents' house last night. And I will be moving to London next week in the UK to do a master's in public health at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine for a year. And then I'll come back to Kingston for another 22 months. <laughs> wow. Wow. What, what a journey. You've always been one of those people, like... For anyone listening, you could probably relate. Like growing up or going through high school and then first couple years of university, just have those your friends that you kind of keep up with what they're doing. You're like, yo, this person is just different. Like I could just tell the energy with this person, like the intelligence, um, the way they carry themselves, the way they speak, you know, their ambitions. And Vic's always been one of those people crushing med school. You make it look easy. I know it's not. You know, I know there's a lot that goes into it, obviously. Um, but from what I see like on on social media... Um, you make it look really easy and effortless. And honestly, just congratulations to, for finishing med school, residency, moving to the UK. There's a lot of things that we're going to be talking about today on this question of what's next. That's the first question that we're tackling this season is what's next. I feel like both of us and a lot of people are in that transition points of their lives of like, I've done all this and I'm doing all this, but what is like the ultimate goal? What am I trying to accomplish? And I also believe that we live in a society where that's kind of pushed on us a little bit more. Like, you need to know what's what's happening next. Like, you could be doing a really dope thing right now, like med school, but it's like, what kind of doctor do you want to be? Like, you know, when when are you going to get to that place? And, and what, how much effort and energy does it take to get there? So the other thing we'll be talking about today is how do we stay present and how do we practice gratitude and how do we make sure that we we like exhibit that contentment in our lives, even though we're, we're pushing for greater things. So really excited to, to get your thoughts on that. Let's take a step back though. Like why medicine? What was it for you that really drew you to this very, very long path? Um, I don't even know if you're like 50% of the way there or like what percentage you would put on it, but tell me, tell us a little bit more about like what, what actually drew you to medicine. Absolutely. So my story as to why I chose to pursue medicine is more of why of a why not medicine. Uh, growing up, growing going through high school, I never really considered it too much just because I didn't really see anyone who looked like me in the field of medicine, for starters. And my parents and I came to Canada as refugees from Togo. So I've always had the, the survival mindset growing up. So I always thought to myself, I'll go to school, get good marks, maybe I'll do a master's and just get a good job to be able to support my family and to support myself and just do a little bit better than the generation that uh, was prior to me. And then university started. I did my undergrad in biochemistry at the University of Ottawa. 
I liked science, but I also just really didn't like the social sciences and didn't think that I was really good at them. So I went the more science route and I did really well in my first year, not necessarily to have the marks to get into medical school, but because I knew that my parents couldn't financially support me throughout my university studies. My mom did a really good job at working really hard to pay the first year of tuition for all of her kids. And then afterwards, we were all... Um, not necessarily left on our own, but we all knew you that we to had to on. figure out ways to yeah. yeah, pay for our schooling ourselves. Um, so I worked really hard in my first year to be able to keep my scholarship. And then once I was able to do that, I kind of took a step back and I was like, okay, these marks aren't necessarily the top for med school, but they are really good. And this is a good um, foundation for me to be able to build on if I would choose to. And the, the, the experience that really solidified it for me was the summer between first and second year of undergrad. I was working front desk at a hotel and I had just been uh, certified in first aid through the hotel. And uh, I, I believe it was a Saturday. I was the 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift. I was the only person at the desk with the um, basically like managing the 98 rooms. And then I got a call from upstairs that a girl had fainted. And I had run up and she was foaming at the mouth and turns out she ended up having toxic shock syndrome. Um, but I managed the situation until the paramedics came. And afterwards I called my best friend's mom and I said, this is what happened. Did I do a good job? And then um, we talked it through, we debriefed. And then the very next day, again, when I was at the front desk, I got a call, someone ran into the hotel and said, there's a girl having a seizure in front of the hotel. So I ran out um, again, and then she was like half in, half out of the car. We got her out of the car, and it was nice since we had a hotel, we were quite equipped. So I asked someone to go get me a pillow and uh, um, a blanket, because um, she was quite cold. So we stabilized her until the paramedics came. And then I, I, again, I called my best friend's mom, and I was like, second day in the row, I don't know what's going on, but this happened. Yeah. <laughs> Did I do a good job? And after we debriefed, she said, Vic, you do realize that what you did was basically what a doctor would do. Mm -hmm. You should really consider medicine and like genuinely consider it. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, that was kind of fun. And I did do a good job. Like I did realize that at that point that I'm, I'm quite good at thinking on my feet and reacting in emergency situations. Right. And although my marks weren't incredible at that point, they were really good. Um, so that was really the pivotal moment for okay. me that made me think, okay, I've kind of been against this idea because I didn't think I was good enough, but I now have the objective proof that I have the skills necessary and the marks um, necessary, although they, they would have to be improved a little bit, that this is something that I could pursue if I choose to. And then in my fourth year, I applied to medical schools, got into McGill and wow. here I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's wow that is amazing thank you for the context in the background that's incredible in those moments like i want to kind of dig down to those two experiences you had working in the hotel um and and having people who are in need of some sort of help or medical attention like do you remember those moments like were you scared like or was it more like instinct or adrenaline and hopping into action versus the fear like what was kind of going in through your going through your mind in in each of those moments It was more instinct. There definitely was, like the first second, it's definitely like, 
oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> but then that oh crap doesn't, it never really lasts too long for me because I know that something has to be done. So I'm, I've, al- I've always kind of been that person when there's a problem, especially something that could be l- not necessarily life or death because it's not like I'm in these life or death situations all the time, mm-hmm. but even conflicts that I have um, that could arise within the school setting or the work setting or things with family. I've always been one to act and to act a lot sooner rather than later. Mm. Got it. And it must have felt great to like to get that maybe like direction or affirmation from from that family friend being like, this is like what we do. Like this is what we do. And like you've had that experience a couple times that maybe a lot of people don't get until you know, med school scenarios or residency, you've had them working front desk at, at a hotel, you were able to handle those situations, obviously able to have an impact on each of those people's lives. And then getting a bit of that direction or affirmation of like, you know, you would be good at this, or at least think about this. Okay, so get through get through undergrad, you get to McGill for med school. What's the vibe in med school? I'm pretty curious. Like, is it, first of all, like, I used to watch Grey's Anatomy and I know that's not really med school, but that's like you have the residents and stuff and they come in and it seems like it's a very, and I know Hollywood to some extent, but like cutthroat environment where you're just grinding round the clock. Um, if you're not the best, you're pretty much worthless. I don't say worthless, but in a way like you're maybe thrown to the side. What was your experience like in med school? Was there still that sort of like collaboration and camaraderie that you might find a little bit more in undergrad or did you find that you were doing a lot of things on your own and really just like focused on being the best out of the bunch there was definitely a lot of collaboration in med school what's nice about med school is that it's really hard to get in but once you're in it's really hard to fail or it's really Mm -hmm. hard to not graduate Mm -hmm. Um, and we have this thing where we say P equals MD, a pass equals a medical degree. So although you're striving to get like nineties to get into medical school, once you're in, at least at McGill, a pass is a 60%. Got it. And you don't, and your transcript only says pass fail, or if you're on the Dean's honors list. So let's say your average is like, I think it was like 94% or 95% or above, then you get that distinction. Mm Mm-hmm. But whether you get a 62% or a 92%, no one will ever know. Got it. Okay, so what you're saying is, if I'm going to the doctor right now, <laughs> I might be getting a doctor that got a 62% <laughs> and I wouldn't know the difference <laughs> than if my doctor got a 91. Okay, faith faith in the medical industry is, is definitely, definitely kind of shaking, shaky right now. I'm just playing. But, but mind you, even the doctor that got 60%, if they were able to get 62% consistently, then that means they right. have all of the knowledge that they need to be a good doctor. And you're not going to be getting that doctor that's working alone straight out of med school. They'll have to go through residency training. Right. So most of the things you learn in first year, you forget. So even if you remember 10% and then the next year you remember another 10%, all of that adds up to you for mm-hmm. you to have all of the knowledge that you need to be a good doctor. Got it. Got it. Okay. There, there definitely were those cutthroat moments, and there are some people that are more competitive than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and McGill is known to be a very, um, maybe more of an intense school. Um, 
but overall I did have a good med school experience and I found some great people around me, um, who were, were more of the mindset that I am. Like I, my favorite people in medicine are those that are great people who just happen to be doctors, but it, medicine is their profession and it's their career. It's not who they are as people. I, I actually really appreciate that. Like, I think not only in medicine, but zooming out, like, in any career as a whole, like starting with who the person is, this is a great person, this is someone who cares, this is someone who's passionate, has the energy, and then translate that into what whatever the profession is, I think it's super important. And that's definitely the vibe I get from you. Like now that you've done med school, you're moving on, uh, have you pinpointed like what type of medicine you're, you're hoping to specialize in? Um, and it's probably gonna be like a pretty big word. So if you don't mind just like, breaking it down for people like me who aren't uh, too medically inclined, I would appreciate that. So are you ready for this big word? It's going to rock your world. All right, let's, let's go. Let's do it. I want to do, <laughs> I want to do family medicine. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was actually ready. I was ready for like something that started with like osteo something. That's what I was ready for. Yeah, no, that's not me. <laughs> But what's interesting, though, with my reason for why medicine being more of a white not medicine, what I really like about the theme for this season is this episode being what's next. I feel like this is the first time in my life where I don't know exactly what's next. I've always had like a five year plan, 10 year plan down to a T. And right now, if you ask me what my life is going to look like five years from now or 10 years from now. Sure, I have like a nice answer that I could give you that's on paper, but the genuine answer is I don't know. Like I've been on this path now for so long, like I've been in post-secondary for, this is my ninth year of post-secondary. And it's always been, I didn't think I was good enough for medicine. I'm in medicine. This is what we're doing. I'm good enough. I can prove it to myself. And then I've done it. And now it's like, okay, so what do we do now? Like, what do I like? Who, like, not necessarily who am I outside of medicine, because I have been making an active effort to make sure that I remain a whole person outside of this profession. But what do I want to do for myself and not just as a challenge kind of thing? Mm. Okay, so along that theme of what's next then, after finishing med school, like, why the UK? Why, like, what about that for you was like, this is where I should be going? Like, was that something that you discovered more recently? Was that something you discovered maybe early on in med school? Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, so that ties in very much with med school wrapping up, med school having been good, but very challenging. Particularly the last two years of med school for me, I've struggled with uh, some health issues near the end of med school and um, unfortunately, one of my classmates took her life in the last few months of uh, medical school. So there have been a lot of challenges faced by myself and also my entire uh, graduating cohort. And I was tired. I was really, really tired. And I knew that I wanted to do family medicine. It's not going anywhere. And I can always come back to it but I really wanted to take time for myself. 
Um, I Over the last two years of med school, I was very much involved with a lot of anti-racist initiatives, and I've been able to accomplish a lot at McGill, which I'm very proud of. But that was also very emotionally draining for me at times. So I kind of just wanted to remove myself from that entire environment that was so familiar to me, but that had taken so much out of me to be able to recharge. Um, so throughout my undergrad and even a little bit during med school, I've always looked at applications for the Rhodes Scholarship. And it, it was always kind of the same thing where I went through the whole application, but I never thought I was really good enough or I thought, wow, like six reference letters, that's so much. And then in my third year of uh, med school, I received the Fachsabner Scholarship, which is a really large uh, scholarship given uh, for leadership in Quebec. And one of the um, runner-ups, I would say, one of the other finalists, uh, she didn't get the scholarship, but she became a Rhodes Scholar. And I remember finding this out and I thought to myself, what am, why am I doing wasting this time not believing in myself when this girl is at her shooting her shot, applying to all these scholarships? She didn't get this $15,000 that I got, but she got Rhodes Scholarship, which is the equivalent of like over $100,000 over two years to do um, graduate studies at Oxford. So then I was like, okay, well, it's my time then <laughs> to look into the Rhodes Scholarship. And then I finally sat down and I said, this is going to be the year that I apply. And I found out that I was no longer eligible because I was turning 25 prior to um, my year at Oxford would have been. And then I was so upset with myself. <laughs> wow. Because I finally... Honestly, like... Go ahead. Yeah, just before you continue, I was going to hop in. Um, because Kathleen actually applied for a, a Rhodes Scholarship. Um, so for those listening, like Kathleen is my girlfriend. And I know the grind that, that goes into that. And a lot of the things that, that you're talking about is also a lot of the conversations that we had, right? Like applying for one of these scholarships isn't just like sitting down and getting all the things that you need, you know, getting... And it's a, it's a pretty long list, like getting reference letters. Like it was like the president of a university, professional references, all this stuff. But it's also like that hype up to be like, I deserve a seat at this table. Like I deserve to even put myself put myself out there to be in this conversation because I think it's like, what is it like? Maybe like less than twenty people get it. It's like two from each province or like however they they decide to to pick those people. So just yeah, I wanted to say that I've like obviously not myself applying, but can relate to even just like the first part of when you initially looked at it and was like, oh man, I don't even know if like. I'm good enough for this because it does, it does take a lot. Yeah. And there, so I, I brought up the, the girl that was up for Fassavner who became the Rhodes Scholar. But that same year, the second scholar from McGill was this guy named Abdel. Shout out to Abdel. He's this guy from uh, Ivory Coast that I know he's mm. lived in Barhaven. His family lives in Barhaven, which is where my family lives, because I used to see this guy on the bus all the time. And when I first moved to Montreal for med school, I was really upset because there were so few black people in my medical class and just in medical school in general, that I just started talking to random black people on campus. And I remember seeing Abdel at McGill and being like, hey, I know mm. you from the bus, you live in Barhaven. <laughs> And, and he was like, oh. What and a then, big thing to do. 
And then four years later, he's a Rhodes Scholar. And for me, I believe in signs. Wow. I believe in God. So mm. I was like, these two Rhodes mm. Scholars from McGill are people that I've crossed paths with. Why can't I do it? So then after I was really dramatic about the fact that I'm not eligible anymore, I Googled scholarships like the Rhodes Scholarship. And then I found out about Gates Cambridge, to study at Cambridge. I found out about Chevening and the Canada Memorial Foundation Scholarship. And those two allow you to study at any institution in any, any country that's part of the UK, completely full ride. Um, and then I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Yes, I've always wanted a master's in public health because although I think family doctors are kind of like the gatekeepers to the healthcare system and are able to treat and identify individual people's problems, since they see so many people in the front line, they really are able to assess and be able to identify problems that the communities face as a whole. So with public health, you're able to lead more systemic change within the healthcare system, which is something that I feel very passionate about. But also studying in the UK for a year and having that opportunity right. to travel. And although it's still school, it's just a very different type of school that medical school and clinical rotations can be. Um, so I basically spent my entire fourth year applying to both, applying to graduate programs in the UK, a whole list of scholarships, um, but also applying to residency kind of like as a backup in case I weren't able to get a full ride to go to the UK. And then I ended up being able to combine both and I got the full ride, I got into residency. Um, my program wow. director was very open to um, accommodating me to let me start the program for two years. I leave for a year and then come back. So it's really just been best of both worlds. Everything just really came together. Damn, wow. That, first of all, congratulations. That is amazing. <laughs> um, glad that you got everything you were looking for. My next question was gonna be like, how are you feeling about grad school? I can tell from the smile on your face that you're extremely excited. Um, I feel like a lot of people in my life right now are moving to the UK. I also believe in God, so I don't know if this is him saying, David, get ready, get prepared. Um, I wouldn't mind being a London boy, to be honest. Like, I wouldn't mind being on London. Um, but yeah, super excited for you, Vic, as you take on this journey. It sounds like what's next for you is a bunch of exciting things. Um, and I really like, like what you said about knowing that you want to go into family medicine, but like allowing yourself a little bit of that break. Like, let me try something else. Um, let me kind of recharge and get my energy back and then come back and, and kind of continue pursuing that that ultimate goal. We'll talk a little bit about like gratitude and stuff in a sec, but um, yeah, like it just sounds like a lot of really great things to come, a lot of exciting things to come, going overseas, um, getting that further education, linking up with some old friends, making new friends, and then seeing what life brings. Um, so that's that's really great. Man, I have so much appreciation for Vic. I have so much appreciation for this conversation. And I especially love that her answer to the question, what's next, is I don't know. And embracing the fact that that's okay. And that's something that we can all learn from is that sometimes we don't know and that's fine this is only part one of our conversation part two is dropping next sunday with life lessons the celebration of life segment and some more fun questions that vic and i got into if you haven't already subscribe on spotify apple and google podcast 
share the show with someone, man. Don't be selfish with knowledge. Share it out with people you think might benefit. And if you're a listener and you're especially in the fields of medicine, you're interested in medicine or going to med school, make sure you reach out to Vic. As you can tell, she's extremely intelligent. She got that knowledge to share. So do yourself a favor. Set up a coffee chat. Uh, This has been fun, man. I hope you all are enjoying the season. Hope you enjoyed this episode so far. And until next time, I hope you learned something.